you're in Seattle, Seattle. And you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 496 now of the Ron and Don Show, and heck yeah, we are still in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we have a friend that's stopping by, and Ron is actually someone that you have worked with that's one of our clients, but has also become one of your friends and we wanted to talk to this young gentleman because we think there's a lot of people out there in our audience when he shares his story that it might resonate with you we do have an event coming up february 16th i think christian's going to be there we'd love for you to come if you'd like to get signed up we'll tell you more about this event this life-changing event through real estate you can go to ronanddon.com right now slash change Christian is here in our studio, though, Ron, and I know that you're pretty stoked, right? Yeah, I am stoked. He's a, a first-time buyer. That's what this uh, thing we're doing on February 16th is for first-time buyers, and I thought it'd be fun and interesting to do kind of a case study of someone that bought their first house and what that was like. And I, we, we actually haven't had this conversation, so thanks for coming by, Christian. No, thanks for having me, Ron. So I'll do with my the way I started. You were referred to me by a friend, my friend Marco, who was friends with your dad. And what did he tell you about us? Because you, you obviously were talking to Marco at some point about, hey, I'm moving back to Seattle, and we'll, we'll hit rewind in a minute, but I'm moving back to Seattle, I want to buy a house. What, what were you thinking at the time? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, Marco, to go to Marco, he's a well-connected person, and, and, you know, usually he's, you know, right in understanding the finer things right world, of course probably understand but um so i trusted him when he said hey whenever it's time for you to buy a house i have the right guy for you so that's really how it came about um interesting enough i went back and forth on you know wanting to dive into home ownership and the process because mm-hmm. frankly i did not know anything about it right so and let me, I'm going to jump in there and say why you didn't know anything about it. Because then I, I looked you up. Uh, the first thing that stood out to me, they, Marco sent me a picture of you and him. He's about five, six. <laughs> and you are six, eight. Six foot 16. And so, uh, and then I looked up your name. I was like, okay, you're a, you're a basketball player. Mm-hmm. So am I right? You were, you went to high school in Tahoma. Is that right? Yeah, I went to Tahoma High School. So Tahoma High, standout athlete, and you were, you got scholarship offers, correct? Yeah, yeah. And so at the time, were you thinking, I'm, I'm going to be NBA bound? You know, it was always a goal. I, I never saw past basketball. Um, well, maybe that's, I always had my head on me in the sense that I was raised to have kind of a plan B, mm-hmm. but you know, I also had that kind of tenaciousness that's telling me why I have a plan B if you have this. But right. So it, you end up going to Cal, right? I did. I did, which ended up being the best situation based off of what I just said, because, you know, great academic school, if you really lean into that you're going to be set for life with the right education and platform and network 
to be successful as long as you take advantage of that. On top of that, I had the chance to go play for Hall of Fame coach and Mike Montgomery, and that was an incredible experience. Right. So at the time you go down there, I, I, I saw some pictures of you coming out of Tahoma and you were six, eight, 95 pounds. Like you, <laughs> you, did, you did not have much girth on you, but so you're down there, you get in the weight room, you get into the classroom. And at this point, did you, did you feel like, Hey, I, I can hang with these guys. This is a PAC 12 program. There's pros on the squad. Uh, every, every game you're going to play, there's someone that's going to be in the NBA. Did you feel like, all right, I can be a big man in the, in uh, maybe I could crack the NBA. You know, as a big man, I never felt like that was going to be what I could do. In high school, I was a versatile player. I would handle the ball, love to be a pass first player, make plays in general. And, um, Transitioning to college, the biggest step for me was to become a role player. Um, and you do that to find time on the court. And once you become a role player, defensive assignments, doing what you need to do, you earn your time on the court, then you can really start showing what you can do. Um, unfortunately, I don't think I ever really had the chance to do that through my injuries. Uh, a lot of confidence issues through that with my knees. Um, and that really kind of shook me a little bit. Uh, I didn't understand until my junior year when I felt like I'd kind of overcome some of my knee injuries I had and, and built some strength and got some of that athleticism back. Uh, I didn't, I didn't feel until then that I had an opportunity to play basketball outside of college. So not only the injuries, and if you're comfortable with talking about this, also, um, your father had passed during this time. Is it? Do I have this right that you you had a family setback with your health and with your dad basically at the same exact time? Yeah, absolutely correct on that. Um, yeah, unfortunately, my, my father passed when I was 17, and that was um, just a couple days after I had my uh, knee surgery my junior year in high school. Um, so, yeah, it was just a lot. Um, a lot of it I just really pushed to the side. Um, but interesting enough, I, I really felt like I didn't even want to see or hear a basketball bounce on the ground for months after that time. So it was a huge setback. I, I really don't know if that affected my mentality in terms of what I expected to do with myself in basketball in my future, but that happened. Yeah. So you were overcoming injury, overcoming your grief. Uh, you lost your, I, I found a picture of you and your dad, I think it was in the San Francisco Chronicle when you got your scholarship and you guys were both ecstatic. I don't know if it's the correct, if the timing is right, but a picture of you and your dad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, what a great picture. I'm sure you have it on your wall somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's what a huge change. I, I, I guess the reason why I want to talk about this is because a lot of people are on that path where something in life happens. that's a, that's a setback and you have to make a choice. Totally and for you, you're like, I'm going to go ahead with college. I'm going to overcome this injury. This is what I want to do. Absolutely. All right, so now we get to the junior senior year. Do you what happens next? Yeah, so junior senior year, um, I was coming off of my second ACL surgery. I tore it um, the day after Christmas, coming back sophomore year, and uh, I ended up medical redshirting that entire year, coming back and trying to play my junior year um, and having to be put on ice for a little bit. Um, missed out on the Maui Invitational, unfortunately, um, some other, you know, 
awesome matchups that we had. But um, but you're still going to class and doing all that still stuff, going right? Going to class, still rehabbing, still trying to be there for my team, keep morale up uh, while not being able to contribute. It's not the not the easiest thing to do, <laughs> right? Um, but nonetheless, that's what I had to do for that first half of that year. I started to play uh, a lot more at the end of the year, and um, you know, I, I felt confident. I felt like coming back the next year, which would be my redshirt junior year. Uh, academically my senior year, I felt like I was ready to make an impact. And I felt like I had earned the trust of my teammates and, and, and coaches that they were on the same page as me in terms of what the expected production and would be. For just me. so if I know your mindset, cause like I met you after all this, were you thinking if I can ball my junior year and I can ball my senior year, this is against some top grade talent in on the West coast, then Maybe I'm maybe I'm going to be a Portland Trailblazer, or maybe I'm going to be a Golden State Warrior by the time I'm 21. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I started seeing a lot of my friends and peers getting opportunities that were desirable in the professional sports world, and you know, it's hard when you're peers with them to not think, okay, you know, I can do that myself. Right. Um, so it's really about, you know, leaning in once you get that feeling to work on it. Um, the biggest thing for me uh, in college was making sure that you never got too high and never got too low, uh, making sure you're even keeled in your temperament. And uh, when you get your wins, take your learning lessons from them. When you get your losses, even more importantly, yeah. learn your lessons and then keep well, moving through that. Cause I that. feel like I've got to know you through this process of home ownership. And in my mind's eye, if I was you, I'd be thinking not about home ownership, but like, what city am I going to, I'm going to move to some big city. Yeah. I'm going to probably be making seven figures. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have an apartment and buy a nice car and I'm going to become a professional athlete. Like that's a dream that so many young men had. Mm -hmm. Am I relatively close in that? Is that kind of what you're thinking? Absolutely. Yeah. I would say that 100%, uh, I've always had high aspirations in terms of you know, not only what I could do athletically, but just in life in general, having big goals um, to achieve exactly what you just mentioned. Right. The, the shiny things. So <laughs> we, we don't have all day for the segment. So um, you NBA didn't happen, but you did play professionally in Europe, right? I did. Yeah, I, I actually opted out of my red shirt senior year, which would be my fifth year. I graduated in four and decided that I want to use basketball as a tool to not only see the world a little bit, um, but also my mom had moved to England at that time, gave me opportunity to be closer to her. But, you know, there's a lot of overseas pros that make a name for themselves, not only domestically within the countries that they're playing in, but, you know, you're seeing nowadays with all the international players coming to the NBA, there's great talent over there. And there's, there's definitely the opportunity to go over there, succeed, and then come back. So... In the back of my mind, I thought that there was an opportunity I could try for that. Um, but really, at that point in time, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I was a little bit burned out and that I may have had an expiration date in my mind on basketball in general because I wanted to make sure, because I knew my knees weren't going to hold up for forever. So I wanted to make sure that when I came back and I joined the real world, if you will, I wanted to make sure that... Um, I wasn't too far behind. 
Uh, well, also saying I'm going to take my shot. Yeah. Like, like I think you'd always regret if I had your kind of skill set. I would regret if I didn't give it a shot. Exactly. So you played in Italy. I played in Germany, Germany, Spain, um, England, and Austria for a little bit. Okay, so you made the rounds around there, and then Don, can we this segment should we come back and talk about the? Because I, I I wanted to use that as an object lesson to say, okay, you have Plan A in your life. You know, you go to college, you're chugging along. This is what's going to happen, and then life has a way of going. Nope. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So now you have to make a different set of choices. I think a lot of people find themselves in this, not, not this exact setting, but a similar setting in life. Now you're in your mid twenties. Uh, now, you know, plan a is not on the table anymore. It's time to go. What is my plan B going to be? Yeah. Mike Montgomery, when he was coaching at Stanford, we used to do the Mike Montgomery show. He's a hell of a We're coach. that old, Christian. He's a, hell of a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a hell of a show, but he's also a hell of a man. And I really love the way that he would encourage his players to not only be great on the court, but to be great off the court. Let's talk about that on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, money, 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 money. Let's talk about money and let's talk about real estate agents, big brokerages, small brokerages and commissions. Money, money, money. Guess who doesn't want to talk about it? Yeah. Sometimes your real estate agent that took all your money is in a Cancun right now. <laughs> or a real estate agent that I know that just made $60,000 and he went out and bought a play. Ron, it is pretty incredible that brokerages, real estate agents, they don't want to talk about commissions. And guess what? We do. Because when it comes to commissions, everybody should make sure, whether you use us or somebody else, that you negotiate that commission. That right there is non-negotiable. It is non-negotiable. And there have just been some huge changes in how this all works in Washington State. Uh, the lawyers all got together. They have rewritten all of the rules around this, all of the forms, all of the disclosures. And it is radically different than even six months ago on how we disclose who gets paid, how you get informed about who and what and how everybody gets paid. Don and I would like to do that journey with you, let you know with full transparency so you can trust exactly what is happening in your real yeah, estate. Yeah, we're journey. always going to talk about the commission. And I will also say this. Sometimes you guys are paying too much. Sometimes you're not paying enough, right? If you want me to do all the work to your house, you're going to have to pay me. You want to do all the work and we're just selling your house? Yeah, let's pay you, all right? Find out more at ronanddonsitdown.com. Let's talk commissions at ronanddonsitdown.com. And make sure, even if you're using another agent, one of the first things you should be talking about is the things that people don't want to talk about, and that's your money, 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 money. And now, back to the Ron and Don Show. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. Christian is here live in the Les Schwab Studios. We're talking about home, home ownership. How old are, are you right now? Just turned 30. You just turned 30, and you and Ron worked to buy a house last year. I want to take everything that we just framed, and because we're on a podcast and people can't see, you're a young man of color, right? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, when Ron and I worked for the Raiders, we worked for the Cowboys, uh, we worked for CBS radio. We also worked with Stanford when your coach was there, Mike Montgomery. And Don went one-on-one -on -one with Antoine Jameson and scored a bucket. I scored the first bucket <laughs> <laughs> and never scored again. <laughs> and then after that, it, it was over here. Here's my question. Cause I've noticed coaches are trying to do more of this now, especially as young men and young women get into college in the pro league. 
I, I was always stunned when I would read that an NFL player in the majority of the workforce are people of color. The majority of the owners are white. The majority of the workforce, 70% of that workforce uh, that is in the NFL today are people of color. And, and sometimes you can turn on a game and look at all uh, starting 22 men that are starting, and they're all people of color, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what we found is sometimes these guys would make a lot of money. But then an average NFL career is anywhere between 18 months and three years. And usually within three years after that, if they made a significant amount of money, that money was gone. It was gone. And what I didn't understand and and I didn't get until I got in the proximity of a black family. When I was growing up, uh, I was in my 20s, your age, and I became a big brother to a little brother. And I I had a little brother for about eight years, and I still stay in touch with my little brother. I, I didn't know that within that family that they worked very, very hard, but they never really talked about wealth, right? The idea was, we're just going to try to get you to college, get to college, get to college, get to college. He never went to college. He's actually a chef now. He went to culinary school. Uh, and he owns real estate today, right? He has learned uh, to, to build wealth through the power of real estate, through the power of his job, his W-2 job, and to build generational wealth for his family. Uh, I work with a couple state troopers that are also young men of color. They didn't know what a five, one just had a baby, didn't know what a 529 plan was, uh, didn't know how to buy a second piece of real estate in order to help pay for his child's education down the road. What was your experience like in going to Cal? What was your experience like in being an athlete? Did you, did you have coaches? Were there mentors that said, hey guys, someday you're not going to be on the court and we want you to understand how to build wealth, how to make money, how to hang on to it, how to make generational wealth, and how to take care of your family and also to make sure that people out there don't take advantage of you. Yeah, we've asked you to come play sports. You've made a lot of money for our schools, and now we want to return the favor by investing in you. And you see this in the NFL uh, when guys come out of the combine. Uh, first day they show up, there are now mentors there teaching guys in the NFL, this is how you make money, and this is how you hang on to money. What was it, what was it like for you? Oh, you know, if I'm being completely honest with you, I wish that there was a lot more resources for that. And I don't, I think there's a huge need for that in the college space. Mm-hmm. I feel like the players that are getting recruited uh, cover such a wide spectrum of privilege, if we're going to use that word, and understanding, you know, the resources that they have and what they're able to use to understand wealth and understand the growth of wealth. Um, I didn't know any of that, and I'm still learning. And it's really about having mentors and people in your life that have done the things that you want to do yourself. Well, especially when your dad uh, had passed away. Exactly. Left you at a real disadvantage just in life. Exactly. So, yeah, to go back to privilege in general, it's, it's you know, it, it, there's many shapes and forms it takes. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, with my dad passing, I didn't have the privilege of having my father with me to guide me through a lot of these adult moments that help build wealth and help you thrive as an adult. A lot of my life as an adult has been, I don't want to discount anybody that's been there who who's helped me um, and assisted me in landing on my feet. But um, a lot of this has been me working on my own uh, to understand what is the life I want to live? Um, what's going to make me feel like I'm doing 
on this earth something that means something to me, you know, mm -hmm. not necessarily other people in terms of status or whatever, but whatever I'm doing, is it helping me reach my goals? And am I okay with waking up with what I'm doing every day? You know, that's kind of the framework that I've had for myself as I work backwards. Um, and, you know, people sometimes, well, a lot of times people have those resources in their parents, family, friends, uh, where it's kind of a no-brainer that their life is going to fall into place. Um, so that wasn't my experience. And, yeah, I, that, that's... So when, when we met then, you had decided, I'm going to come back to Pacific Northwest because you, had, you, you studied hard at Cal, you had your degree, you got a job in tech, you're sort of ratcheting up in the, in the tech community here. And when we first talked, you said, I want to buy a single-family home, I want a yard... Uh, I, th you know, I think growing up where you grew up, like that's the picture in your mind. Yeah. I want a yard. I want a garage uh, to park my car. And you had a vision of what you thought you wanted. And we started down that road, but you, when we first started, you were very honest. You're like, Ron, I don't know if I have, if I've saved enough. I don't know if I can do this. This is what I think I want. Can you remember back to what yeah. it was, was to jump into that, to finally flip the switch and say, I want to be a buyer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Memory is rolling back. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I remember single family homes was on the agenda at first. Um, you're spot on. That's what I know. That's what I was familiar with. That's what I grew up in. That's where the first step was going to be. Um, as we visit houses, I don't know. We, like 30, 40 houses. Wow. <laughs> Total. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's how you learn. The yeah, first it's great. 10, 15, maybe, were single family homes. And, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of quirky things. I wanted to be in the Seattle area. I wanted to be in the mix. I wanted to be near my office. Um, well, and I'm going to give a funny story. The thing that I remember about those first 10, 15 houses is we've already taught you, you're a basketball player. You kept hitting your head on door jams, <laughs> and we kept. <laughs> We kept finding bathrooms where the shower head was like 18 inches below oh, the top yeah. of your head. Yeah. And yeah. so, and you were trying to figure out how do I work around this? Yeah, exactly. Is it a lot of converted uh, primary bedrooms that were garages, uh, a lot of quirky things. It was like, hmm, not built out lawns, you know, um, stuff that, you know, homeowners look for when you buy to be able to increase the equity put some work into Were it. you discouraged? Uh, you, uh, it seemed like you were discouraged as we started our search. I was a bit discouraged. You know, I, 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 the, what I kept going back to was, oh, well, when I buy this house, am I just going to be doing projects for the next three years? Like, right. What's going to happen to my, you know, personal time? Is it just going to be dedicated to this home? And, uh, and that I, gave me for me, my memory is we went to grab a coffee in West Seattle and you were lit up about West, this neighborhood in West Seattle, like right off of California mm -hmm. uh, Avenue. And I said, and I suggest, I was like, hey, would you be open to looking at a townhouse? And the biggest thing in my mind was like, they're going to have taller ceilings. <laughs> I need to find a place with That's eight awesome. to 10 foot ceilings. Because <laughs> we kept done, we kept going into these houses and you were literally running into the, into the door jams. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so uh, you said, sure, I'll look at a townhouse. And then we started looking at townhouses. 
And that's when it seemed like it changed, where it was mm-hmm. newer. Like you have a very specific design sense about you. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're, I wouldn't say you're OCD, but like you're very clean <laughs> and very modern and sleek. And like you just had this design sense about you. And so when we started going into these townhomes, it seemed like you're like, okay, I can make these spaces work. Absolutely. When I saw the first townhome, even though I knew it was one that I probably wasn't going to buy, I started to see, okay, the shower heads are a little higher. (laughs) Ceilings are a little bit higher. I can breathe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Appliances are looking nice. You know, more modern features, more taller windows, more light. And, you know, that excited me to, to look at houses that were either fairly new or brand new. Um, How did you go from this is what I think I want into something that was radically different than that thing? No yard, really. Mm-hmm. No garage. Uh, some of these places had off-street parking. Mm-hmm. Like, um, was that hard to switch your brain into like – I? Home ownership to you, to, to Christian 1.0, mm-hmm. was a very specific thing. Right. And I'm showing you things that are not that specific thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, I remember one thing that you mentioned to me. I think this was what changed my mind. <laughs> you said, uh, do you really want to be coming back and working on your yard on the weekends? Or do you want to be, you know, having a place where you can come home and, and relax and crash and spend your time and still have the freedom and flexibility to live your young life out in the city, you know, and go play some golf, play some. Yes. <laughs> if you know me, you know, I love golf. Um, but yeah, that's exactly it. You know, um, allotting my time in areas that I wanted to, um, and the townhouse experience gave that flexibility because it's almost like what you see is what you get. Right. So I'll, I'll, I'll make a long story short. We found one you loved. We didn't get it. Uh, you got a promotion. A couple months later, we found another one that you loved, and we ended up getting it. Um, was that harder than you thought, easier than we thought, more exhilarating? Like there were some ups and downs there. There were some big ups and downs. Uh, the house I ended up buying was in the same area and by the same builder, as the house that I saw that I really loved that I couldn't afford. And that's what made us take a break from the house hunt. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I'm going to go get another job so I can pay for this house. (laughs) (laughs) And you did it. I did. I went and I got a new job, um, came back. That specific unit was not available. Um, but the one on the street, um, was available and we didn't pay very much mind to that in the first place, but, Right away, it seemed like the best one. I liked it even more than the one that we saw before. And I had the means to purchase it with the new job. So um, I guess, you know, to kind of say in a concise way, what what I'm trying to say is, you know, um, as long as you have the means to buy and you run across something that looks good and you can see yourself in, that's really what takes to become a homeowner. You have to be okay with... (laughs) <laughs> Did it freak you out writing that down payment check? This is the first time you've ever yes. bought something. Yes, exactly. And I've only paid one mortgage, uh, one month of my mortgage <laughs> so far. Um, and that was also another mini heart attack. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's pretty cool. When I see yeah. you post a picture from your rooftop deck, yeah, and you got your cup of coffee in your hand and you're looking at that view, 
it seems like you're enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, I'm loving it. Yeah. It's 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 awesome. That view right there is is what will always draw me back to this is my first house, whether I have it for my whole life or not. Well, come back. I hope you have it your whole life. I'm going to tell you why. We come back, I'm going to blow your mind with something, all right, on the other side of this. Hey, Mitch Weeks joins us here from Mitch.Loans, the sponsor of the show. Mitch, we just did a deal for a client, and you've talked about in other spots a 321 buy down. He didn't do that, but he still got a lower rate than the published rate. How did that work? Yeah, you can do something called paying points, where you actually pay a certain percentage of your loan, usually less than a percent of your loan. It's not that big a number, but he got the sellers to pay it, and that was great negotiating by both of you. And so the sellers gave him a chunk of money up front that bought down his rate. Market rates now in about the 7% range, and they used you know $15,000 to buy down their rate to a 6%. So for the whole life of this 30-year loan, he hmm. gets to pay his loan as if Rates were a 6% when he bought, even though they it, were a 7 If it drops down lower than that, he can refinance. He absolutely can. He can get out of that loan at any time. There's no prepayment penalty on any of our loans. You can refi, pay it all off if you win the lotto, or just start paying more. And there's an advantage to doing that, and we can talk about that with you, too. All right, so we have a bunch of different strategies to finance a purchase right now. Uh, you can check out Mitch and Mitch's website at Mitch.Loans. That's Mitch.Loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, we have a life-changing event uh, coming up, and we want everybody to come, Ron, right? Well, we only want 30 people to come, because that's oh. all the seats we have. So uh, some people have already started signing up, but there's still seats available. Ronanddon.com slash change, if you want to change your life for the better. And um, I hadn't done any previews with Christian before he came in, so I'm glad it changed your life for the better. I'm glad I didn't go, oh my God, it's a huge mistake, Ron. <laughs> Why did I buy this house? Yeah. I did go to your housewarming party, though, yeah. and your friends seemed to be enjoying the new path. Yeah, yeah, they, they were happy. Like, yeah. They were definitely proud of me, so um, definitely a success. I only stayed for like 10 <laughs> minutes because I was definitely the uh, 20 years older than the, the oldest person there guy. Yeah. All right. I'm going to hand you a picture. Okay. Yep. And it's a picture of a house. Take a look at it. It's a 925 square foot house. That's like you. I'm like you and I'm not like you. That house is my first house that I bought on my own when I was 42. I'm 55 now, right? You're 30. So I always tell people your life is leverage, the power of years that you have. I don't have those years anymore, and you do. That house right there, uh, what's the address uh, of that house? 3623 12th Ave West. Yeah. And where did you just drive to? Right here. Yeah. Is, is that house still here? No. It actually is. It just looks different now. But let me show you something. Trulia, Trulia thinks that that house is still here. In fact, can you see they show the old picture of the house? Yeah. <laughs> so because uh, we've done some renovation work here, Trulia hasn't caught up yet. So I bought that house for $485,000. What does Trulia, even in a corrected market, say that that old house, if it was still sitting here, and I'm going to hand this phone to you, what does it say it's worth? $1.66 million. Yeah, so $1.6 million. Uh, and then others will say it's worth, uh, I think Zillow has it at 1.9. So if all I ever did was bought that 925 square foot house, did nothing 
went and played golf, hung out, plumbing went sideways. I called a plumber. I didn't add any value to that property. I think we'd all have to agree. And you went to Cal. I didn't even graduate from college. So, so you tell me. Is buying a home for $485,000, that same home 12 years later is worth $1.6 to $1.9 million. That sounds like a pretty good investment on a first-time home. Sounds like the best type of investment. (laughs) So now we just walked around the house, and what did you see as we were walking around the house? Because we did something called forcing appreciation and adding value. What did you see in my basement? We just walked down in the basement. What did you see down there? Um, showed me an attached domain unit yeah. that you had um, to be able to rent out. Um, you showed me in the backyard you have a detached kind of cottage. or And, um, yeah, you've done a ton of modernization yeah. to the actual home. So I'm in this house now, $1.4 million, so I spent some money to add value. Mm-hmm. But the bank was here the other day, and they say we think that property's worth somewhere around $4 million. Wow. Plus the property brings in a hundred, just this property, Brings in $140,000 a year, and I live in the big house. If I took the big house and I put this big house online, which I've done before, and I live somewhere else, then the property turns into about two hundred eighty dollars to $300,000 a year. That property in Seattle, Washington brings in. So my point is... If you're a first-time home buyer, but you're like, I don't want to add value, like because that's a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to sit there and dig out a basement. I don't want to add a car. All I want to do is buy a home and let a home be a home. Mm-hmm. You can clearly see that that house went from four eighty-five to one point six to one point eight million dollars almost a decade later. So I'm very excited to see for you a decade later when you're forty, what is that house gonna be worth? And I think you'll see significant appreciation in that home. That's called appreciation, right? By adding doors, I added uh, the ability to have mailbox money, passive income come to this house. And then on top of that, and you'll see it when you do your taxes, mm-hmm. you, there's going to be great tax benefits. That's why Donald Trump, and I know a lot of us don't love him. I don't love him, but that's why I paid $750 in taxes one year because of the power of all the real estate that he owned and capital improvements that you make with that real estate. Uh, The tax code is on your side. Mm. So then you learn about the tax code. And the best thing that could happen, this is what I hope that you do, Christian. I hope you hang on to that house. Mm -hmm. When you have enough equity in that house, you pull out some money of that house. We're getting a house on a golf course. We already and decided. You, and you go buy that house on the golf <laughs> course. But then what do you do with the first house? You buy and hold that house. Mm-hmm. You let the appreciation continue to go up. It's going to be a piggy bank for you. You right. own that thing for the rest of your life. You pull equity out when there's equity. And then you pull equity out of your second house. Mm-hmm. Now you're pulling equity out. Your first house, your second house. You're traveling the world just like you would have done if you were playing European pro basketball. And on top of that, you bought your freedom. Right now, you're working for tech because maybe you have to. Mm-hmm. In the future, you're going to work for tech because you're going to decide that's something that you want to do and not something that, that you have to do, right? Well, yeah, that's what this this event is all about. Uh, I've invited Christian to come on, on in February. I think you're going to be there so people can meet him in person if you want to. Uh, and we want to help change people's lives. Like This is what being in real estate as, as a managing broker and why we've studied so hard and taken all these tests is for, is for the Christians of the world. Like It makes me happy knowing that you're happy. 
Yeah. Like it makes me happy knowing that a friend referred you to me that we got along and we got the goal done. And now like going in and seeing that your housewarming party and seeing your friends pull up their Spotify list and the music's going and uh, people are in the kitchen and like looking at stuff and yeah. like you giving a tour and you were really excited. Mm-hmm. Like you're proud of where you live. Like that meant everything to me. And so that's what we want to do for these folks in February. So go to ronadoncom slash change 30 spots available. Let's get you on that journey. And like Christian said in the last segment, it's not all easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Like there's some hurdles Mm -hmm. and there's some times you got to go, wow, I thought I wanted this, but what I really want is this. Yeah. And, and, and I have to say we, we had, there's a litigator in town. She's African-American. In fact, and and then my neighbor's African-American as well. And he's, he's, he's the litigator that actually went after mayor Murray. And they both told me separate uh, occasions that nobody ever taught them how to be. We make a lot of money as litigators and attorneys. And Ron, you were on the phone that one day when we were speaking with her and she said, nobody ever taught me how to build wealth. Mm -hmm. And if you know someone that is a person of color as well, uh, we love having clients that don't look like us Mm -hmm. because I'm just going to be honest and say it. I do have privilege. Because the color of my skin and the neighborhood I live in, I have privilege, which means I have leverage. And I want to use that leverage and I want to use that privilege to pull other people up and say, hey, man, stand on my shoulders. Stand on my shoulders. Let's build. Let's let's go do what I did 12 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. And then let's have let's have great lives together. And and, and it is I, I have to say. When I first got into real estate, and became an agent, I could start crying here. It was very hard to look at the covenants and to know that the Boeing family, who lived in a very prominent white neighborhood, made sure that baked into those covenants that Jews could not live there and that black people could not live there, that Asians could not live there. Only white people of privilege uh, could live there. And I think it was Bill Boeing that started that. And then as you start looking at some of the old covenants, Ron, that haven't been changed, you see on purpose that there were minority communities that were kept out of neighborhoods, and I'm sitting in one right now. So that's why it's so thrilling to walk around this neighborhood today. Tech has changed it. Mm -hmm. This neighborhood is now full of young people of color, and I love that, and I want to use my privilege in any way that I can to be shoulders for people to stand on and, and, and to help. So. Yeah, so that's what this is all about. And Christian, thank you for coming by. I'm really proud of you. Uh, you. A lot of people, it. when they had that injury and the plan A didn't happen, would have become bitter and angry and just said, life's not fair. Why did I get an injury? And the guy that I'm better with is now signed with the NBA. You didn't do that. And so I am just want to say I'm proud of you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Final say before we get out of here. What, what was it like hanging out with uh, two bums called uh, Ron and Dante? <laughs> I thought you did great. You should have your own podcast. Really good. Yeah. I've thought about it. Um, yeah. I loved it. Thanks for having me on. This is my po- first podcast I've ever been on. Really? Yeah. Cool. So uh, maybe I will start something or, you know, <laughs> accept more um, 
guest offers. But yeah. um, thanks for having me. The conversation was great. Uh, thanks for helping me find my first home. Um, I will be holding on to it, especially after looking at this picture in my hand right now mm -hmm. and uh, also looking at how much it's worth right now. So, I can't wait to buy this second house on a golf course. Yeah. Because oh, then wow. I can just play golf. So now when you're at a party and someone asks you, hey, what kind of investor are you? You say, I, I'm a, I don't, do you flip? I'm not a flipper. I didn't buy that house to flip it. Mm -hmm. uh, what are you? I'm a buy and hold investor, mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I buy and I hold. So you buy and you hang on to that house and then let's talk in 10 years and see what that thing's worth. In the meantime, five years, let's see what it's worth. You're going to have, you're going to be in an equity position mm -hmm. and maybe you pull that money out and you go do it again. Right. I think I will. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, you guys, we'll see you uh, February 16th. Christian will be there. We hope. And uh, we're going to feed you, take care of you. It'll be a couple hours and we'll talk real estate. Ronanddon.com slash change. That's ronanddon.com slash change. Hey, for the guys, thanks for stopping by. We really appreciate you. Don't forget if you need us, ronanddonsitdown.com. You get signed up for the newsletter. And also, also, Ron and I write something each and every week. We don't sell your information. And sometimes it's uh, stuff about real estate or it might be something about like the fire I just had at my cottage uh, here on Queen Anne. Thank God for the Seattle Fire Department ladder eight. Yeah. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network.